0: Thank you.
1: the postseason, first time since 2015, a Ripley Field massacre, and how sweet it is, and Vader launches one out to deep left, into big match and he hits the painting, he hits the painting for Fredburn, you've got to be careful!
0: Back to another conversations with Saruti here for Birds on the Black. Uh, this is season one, episode 14, and today we are going to talk with William Bohr of MLB Pipeline. He's a reporter and producer for Pipeline, and he is joining me for the first time today. We are going to talk 2021 MLB draft. Uh, Mr. Bohr is a reporter or like I said, a reporter and producer for MLB pipeline. He's a graduate of the Cronkite school of journalism at Arizona state university. I probably wouldn't bring that up except for new Cardinals beat reporter for the athletic Katie Wu. Also, uh, who I hope to have on the program at some point, uh, also graduated from there. So, um, just thought that was an interesting note. Um, Mr. Bohr was in charge of the top 30 prospect lists for both the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals in 2021, uh, so that's kind of uh, the link here to Cardinals baseball and Birds on the Black. Uh, how are you doing today, William?
1: Doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Pretty busy time, but also exciting time in baseball with the draft coming up and the season kind of really hitting full swing.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm very excited to have you on to talk draft. Uh, we, we kind of talk anything and everything on this podcast, talk uh, Cardinals prospects, talk uh, draft, talk just what's going on in baseball. And, and today, today we get to focus in on a draft, which is just over a month away at this point, uh, pushed back to July 11th through 13th this year. Uh, I believe they did that just to line it up more with the All-Star break weekend, right? To make a bigger spectacle of it?
1: Yeah, because now you've got... The all-star game, the home run derby, the futures game, the draft, it's really putting everything on center stage. Um, And as much as it was fun when it was, I kind of like now that the draft is separate um, from the College World Series and gives some of those players a chance to be with with their friends, with their family, hosting a party, doing whatever they want to do rather than being like, hey, you're in the middle of the seventh inning, but FYI, you're now in the Mets. Um, so I, th- I think kind of breaking that all up is good for everyone.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I kind of like that as well. It doesn't give them quite as much time in the system but uh, for the for the team that's receiving their talents, but, but I understand it, and, and it makes sense uh, to do it this way to me. I think uh, kind of taking a play out of the NFL's book, I guess, and, and really making a spectacle of something. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the draft. So we're, we're looking at a 2021 MLB draft that has just 20 rounds, which is, uh, I guess it's four times longer than last year's. That was only five rounds because of COVID. But, um, in previous years, teams would draft 40 rounds or even prior to that, they could go as long as they wanted to. Basically, uh, the Dodgers took some dude named Mike Piazza in round 62 one year. Uh, and that was 13 rounds earlier than the final selection was made by the Yankees pe- taking Robert Lefebvre out of Florida Southern College just so you listeners won't have to go look that up because I know if I was listening to this I would have to go look that up um, but Uh, Yeah, 20 picks this year, and since we're going Cardinals-focused, and since the draft is pretty much a crapshoot after that first round anyway, uh, we're going to focus in on the first six picks for the Cardinals because those are the six that come in the first five rounds of the draft. The St. Louis Cardinals in 2021 pick 18th, 54th, 70th, 90th, 120th, and 151st, and then pick every 30 picks for 15 more rounds after that. Those are the ones I want to focus in on a little bit. And uh, William, I told you I'd respect your time. So I'm going to ask about eight specific guys I want to know more about today. But um, if you have time after that, we can totally delve into whichever way you want to take this. Um, Before we get started, can you give us a general overview of what you think about this year's drafts in terms of is it a good draft, bad draft? Is it high on college position players or high school pitchers or, or something like that? What's the general overview looking like for this year?
1: this is a tricky draft um, because especially because of the lost year last year um, while some players got a lot of players got no games in some got some um, but even the players that got some obviously it's a small sample size uh, Scouts didn't necessarily get to see people in person uh, so some players that you know, got off to slow starts this year is it just rust is it oh that's actually who they are um players that are you know tearing it up this year like is this who they are or is this who they are in a small sample size because it would have been nice to have last year as well the high school players you didn't necessarily you didn't get the showcase circuit last summer um so all the data points are kind of off so everything's a bit weird and a bit more chaotic so i think I think while having the draft pushed back gives teams a little more a little more time to make up for that, but pushing it back a month obviously doesn't make up for a whole lost year. Uh, so there's some weird stuff there, but in general, um, it's a good draft for high school bats. A lot of shortstops at the top, probably three or four of them could go in, in about the top 10, uh, which is pretty exciting for some young talent up the middle. Uh, some solid, good college right-handers. Uh, College bats kind of got off to a weak start. A couple of them are starting to heat up lately uh, toward the end of the season. And uh, college lefties, which is always a demographic that teams like. um, Obviously, it's good to have left-handed pitchers in the system. There's one definite first-rounder who I know we're going to talk about later. After that, there's still some good names, but there's definitely a drop-off.
0: Yeah. That's one thing I have read about this draft is it seems to be light on college lefties. And I I just found that amusing a little bit as I sifted through the hundreds of players I looked through to narrow it down to eight. And there seemed to be a lot of college lefties on that list. But now maybe that's just more, you know, more substance, like more, more numbers than, than actual substance on those. But Um, I I just found that amusing, but I did want to circle around. You said this draft is looking like high school bats might be the way to go. And the Cardinals at 18, aren't going to get the big names. They're not going to get a Jordan Lawler or Marcelo Mayer. Um, A player that I'm looking at is completely because of where I live. Um, He's not a guy I'd be looking at at number 18, but there's a catcher. Uh, I, I live in Kansas City, Missouri, and there's a catcher named Carter Jensen, who's a high school catcher at Park Hill South High or Park Hill High School, sorry. Um, and that's like three minutes from my house; I can walk there. I got to watch an inning and a half of them after taking my kids to the playground one day. Um, we just kind of strolled over there and and watched an inning and a half before coming home. And um, MLB.com has them. Last I checked, so this has been a week and a half or so since I've checked, but. MLB.com had him at number 64 on their board. Uh, The Cardinals pick at both 54 and 70, so directly surrounding this pick. Um, The MLB.com profile adds that he's a hard worker who will try his best to stick behind the plate because that's his desire to. They think maybe with how good an offensive potential profile he has that it might be best for somebody to move him to a corner spot, whether infield or outfield, to maximize that. Um, I am going to be talking to Prospects Live's Matt Thompson uh, on another podcast soon, and so I'm going to use a lot of their numbers uh, in this and that podcast as well. Carter Jensen is 106 on their board, Cardinals pick at 90 and 120, so we're looking somewhere in the second through fourth pick range, depending on where he might go. Um, Prospects Live says he's a big, strong, left-handed batter who's got a knack for putting barrel on ball. He has shown power to all fields including hitting a big opposite field home run at the PG national, some of the best pop times behind the plate and one of the most well-rounded backstops in the class. Um, So I've heard that despite his great pop times, he's one of the high school catchers least likely to stay behind the plate, but I'm, I'm wondering if that's just more of because of his offensive profile. I do know the Cardinals have had great success with catcher development recently thinking Carson Kelly, Andrew Kisner, uh, Ivan Herrera, I have a few questions about Jensen for you. What are your thoughts on him first? Just expound if you would.
1: Well, I'm happy to share my thoughts, but I should be asking the uh, local guy for the scouting report. Um, (laughs) Maybe even your... your I I don't
0: know if an inning and a half would do him justice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, maybe if they batted around, he could have got two at-bats or something. But um, yeah, so everything you said checks out. The thing is, offense plays and will always play. Um, a strong bat is always going to be is always going be coveted. Like you said, good pop times, really strong arm. Um, as far as sticking behind the plate, I'm not going to rule anything out on a high school kid um, because they're so young, um, especially someone with a good work ethic and someone who wants to stick behind the plate. What a player wants to do is not always realistic, um, especially when I'm talking about 18-year-olds, but... It, it does it does count for something as far as what's going to motivate them and everything like that. As far as him having to move, it wouldn't necessarily be because of skill. It would be to get the most of his bat and have him do something that's less taxing on the body. As far as catching and whether he could stick there, as far as the skills concerned, there are some questions about his receiving. Um, but to be honest, if we have, but by the time he's he's ready to make his major league debut. If we have an automated strike zone and quote unquote, robo uh being able to frame and all that might not matter. Um, That's true. So at that point, catching is going to be literally about catching the ball and then, um, you know, calling a game and throwing and he's got the plus arm. So that all could work, but you might want, you might want someone with his offensive profile and his pop at the plate uh, to not wear out their knees so fast, and you might move him to a to somewhere else on the field. Or let's let's say we're with the Cardinals. By the time he makes his major league debut, we're probably going to have a DH. a DH in both leagues. Um, so you could say, hey, you're going to catch – you can stay at catcher, but you're only going to catch 90 games a year, and we're going to DH you a bunch or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, go the buster posey, buster posey Joe Maurer route where you kind of get that little little breakway. Yeah, and can. that would
1: help him that would help him bat and keep that uh keep that offense profile in the lineup and healthy for long term and it would also play to his desire to remain behind the plate.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I'm glad you brought up the, the pitch framing there. Um for two reasons one I, I did get a little video of him and, and he did seem a, a bit jerky to me uh, my untrained eye looking at catchers but um, but yeah just the interesting notion of yeah Robo ump's could technically be on the way at some point and, and that would make a, a very interesting dynamic in play I'm sure for a lot of teams um where so where do you think I noticed I mean I mentioned earlier like I Cardinals have 54 70 90 and 120. And he could really be anywhere in that range according to the different mocks and different different draft boards I've looked at. Do you have any inkling of where you think he might go?
1: It's hard to say because I haven't heard anything about um, signability or money that it would take. Um, and that obviously mm-hmm. plays a role into everything, um, what it would take to keep him from LSU or not. But uh, if we're just kind of talking about talent and profile I would probably guess third-ish round but but again if he says I'm going to LSU unless you give me 10 million I doubt he's that unrealistic. but you know what I mean um Right, right, right you know then he'll get drafted in the 19th round when someone says oh what the heck let's try it um you know but if it's a reasonable number and he's wants to play pro ball and says like yeah I'm coming so sign me for what you actually think I'm worth. And I think probably third round is probably realistic.
0: Okay. So third round for the Cardinals, would be pick 90. So you would be, if you're the Cardinals, you'd be pretty happy with 90.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're getting our, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure the Cardinals don't have the uh, pipeline list up and are drafting straight off that. But uh, if they (laughs) happen to uh, getting the 64th best talent at pick number 90, what's, um, What's not to
0: love about that? Yeah, that's true. that's true. So so basically you just based on that, you'd probably be happy with him at 70 and if, if if the Cardinals are thinking he's more of a 90 and they they really want him for signability away from LSU, taking him with 70 might not be the worst option either then just to give them that little bump in that that pay raise, the sign signing bonus and and still getting the guy they want potentially a little bit behind where they think he should go and ahead of where they think they want yeah, to to Yeah,
1: especially and if you're if you're the Cardinals you've got a you might feel even better about him than other teams just because you've got a good track record of developing catchers. Um so some teams yeah. you know this goes for all teams with like different positions or weaknesses, they know, "Hey, we know how to get the most out of pitchers or you know what we're not good at developing pitchers so let's take someone who's really polished or you know vice versa so the cardinals if you know you're good at developing catchers um you know the value of a spring training invite and spending time with yadi next year or whatever you know you could do some stuff it might make you a little more confident in drafting drafting either him or even later in the draft, just drafting that position, um, knowing that what some teams right. would consider a reach, you'd be like, "It might be a reach, but we also have kind of a magic touch to get to get the most out of this position."
0: Yes. All right. That. That. Yeah. Again, well put. Um, so uh, let's flip back and, and go go forward or backwards in the draft. Back to the eighteenth pick. Um, I've got three guys I wanted to mention there. Um, so the three guys I want to talk about at pick number 18, potentially for the Cardinals, um, are Chase Petty, who is a right-handed, uh, prep pitcher, Benny Montgomery, who is a prep outfielder out of Pennsylvania and Jordan Wicks, who you alluded to. He is the, the top left-handed collegiate pitcher in the draft. Um, Chase Petty is a guy who both Prospects Live and MLB.com had listed when I checked at 18 on their latest mock drafts, both of them going to the Cardinals. Um, In the past, Randy Flores and the Cardinals have really tried to get the guy that falls to them in the first round. So like Delvin Perez, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, Zach Thompson. Petty seems like a guy who, based on those mocks, could fall to them, even though I don't think he's a consensus top 10 pick, but he's a guy who could go ahead of that. Um, I've read he's a hard throwing righty out of high school touches triple digits at times, different scouts. I've seen have his fastball grade anywhere from a 55 to a 70 and similar grade for his slider anywhere between 55 and 70. I've heard the issue of, well, I mean, if he's got two seventy plus potential pitches, I've heard the issue is command though. Uh, just how bad are the command issues and where do you see the faster fastball slider grades personally?
1: The command issues are not, I mean, I've, you always want your pitchers to be able to command their stuff. Um, I'm not as worried about command with a high school guy as I am a college guy just because you have more time to learn and fix it and tweak your delivery. Um, the fastball and the slider grades, it it, it depends on said command. Uh, you mentioned the fastball touches triple digits. Um, if you can command... Not that he would sit triple digit throughout a whole start, but if you could command mid to upper 90s, uh, you get a little run on that, and there's your 70 grade. Uh, same, with the, same with the slider, uh, plays off the fastball, has good run. Um, there is a little bit of worry with him because of the command that he may be a bullpen guy, and while ultimately... Getting a bullpen guy at eighteen kinda sounds like a reach. I don't necessarily think of it that way. Um, not the MLB draft is hard. It's not like basketball. It's not like football where you see the guys right away and you expect them to make an impact right away. the The bust rate, obviously, at, in first round isn't as high, but just in general, with the baseball draft is much higher. So if you get a guy with a nasty mm-hmm. fastball slider combo, and he is a dominant high leverage reliever for seven years for you. Is that the worst thing that you didn't get a starter in the first round? Um, <laughs> to me, right. Yeah. yeah we've got sometimes our, oh, reliever go risk is like, it's real. You'd prefer a starter, but sometimes I don't think that's the worst thing in the world.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Our, um, our prospect guy at Birds on the Black, Kyle Reese, who's been on the show multiple times, has cautioned my listeners and his listeners before, because uh, he has his own pod about about just how hard it is, like as a prospect. You know, he talks about, especially at the catcher position. He talks about like, you know, not everybody's going to be a Yadi Molina, not everybody's going to be a Carson Kelly who could go start somewhere. But if you know you've got a catcher who can be a ten year backup in the majors and get. 2000 plate appearances in 10 years, you've struck gold, you know? So that kind of, that kind of thought process there applies it. I mean, if 18, yeah, if, at 18, if you don't get a guy that can start all the time, but you get, you know, your next Jordan Hicks or something, or you, who stays healthy, um, something like that for, you know, seven year reliever, then yeah, like you said, then, then that's, yeah, that's really good to grab. So, um, that was kind of my questions on him. Uh, how how excited would you be to get him at eighteen? Do you think that's uh, his landing spot, or do you think that's a little high for him personally?
1: I, th- I think that's that's right in the range. Right in the range. Um, I, I would I would feel good about that. And like kind of like going back to what you were just saying at eighteen, yeah, everyone wants you know to get Wainwright or whatever, but you sometimes got to realize that it's hard, and people like. I don't know, Tommy Edmund, have a lot of value on a roster, even if they're not going to be a perennial all-star. Sometimes just getting contributors is the way to go, even though that's not the sexy thing to do.
0: Right, right. Um, Just to put that in in perspective another way for listeners, that um, I mean, the draft has been 40 rounds forever, and the Cardinals were pretty well lauded in the early 2010s for having – five to seven guys out of those 40 even reach the majors. Um, so just, just another way to look, to look at that for, for listeners here. Um, all right. Second guy I want to talk about is the position player of the three, uh, Benny Montgomery. He's an outfielder from Redland high school in Lewisberry, Pennsylvania. Uh, MLB.com had him at 16 on their big board last I checked, and he was at 19 on the prospects live board. So that's right in that 18 range. Um, from what I've read on him, it seems like he has a big arm. He's a fast runner. He has big power potential. Not that it's manifested at an 18-year-old yet. And I know people hate comps sometimes, but I'm going to do it anyway. If he reaches his ceiling, does that sound like a... And I know ceiling is a nebulous word as well. But if he reaches that quote-unquote ceiling, it, he sounds like a Jason Hayward type to me. Does that seem about right?
1: Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Um... Another name I've seen is Jason Worth, um, which okay fairly fairly similar solid career, and that's that's again someone like that's a really good career. It's not a Hall of Famer or whatever. Oh, yeah. um, which I think I think it's just hard because the most popular drafts are obviously the NFL and then the NBA, and you see those people. You know, you're getting big names, Trevor Lawrence in the first round. You expect him to be a Hall of Famer and whatever you get baseball players in the first round and you're like, well, I hope you can contribute in three years. Um, yeah. <laughs> Come
0: on, get here in 2025. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Like it's just, it's just so much harder and it's so different than how like the sports fan is accustomed to interpreting drafts. But, uh, anyway, yeah. tangent aside, back, to, back to Benny. Um, when you talk about someone who's got plus plus speed and raw power potential, that's, always exciting um he doesn't always get to his power in games so far but again he's only 18 um promising promising stuff on the showcase circuit because he made good contact and that's against advanced competition the showcase circuit is obviously very important for evaluating high school players because they're not going to get you know in their regular high school leagues depending on where they play you're not facing elite talent all the time um especially someone in pennsylvania like maybe if you're in southern california or arizona or texas or something but but him being in pennsylvania so it's it, it was encouraging to see what he did on the showcase circuit and the the power the potentials there you like to see you know, he's got a 6'4, 200 pound frame. So you know he can hit for power he, just because he doesn't, he shows it in BP. He doesn't always get to it in games, but that's something that players can grow into. That's usually one of the last tools to show up. Uh, maybe it just needs a small tweak in his approach or his swing. Um, but yeah, power, power and speed is somewhat something that every team wants and covers.
0: Do you think the, and this could be more of a bigger, picture question than just thinking Benny Montgomery, but um, either with Benny Montgomery or in general, do you feel like with high schoolers, it's experience in terms of like pitch recognition that slows them down to that? Or do you think it's um, uh, you know, just wanting to wanting to, Oh, I can't think of what I'm trying to say here. Do you think it like do you think it's his eye or do you think it's more bat speed issue or any what do what you think in there? Just with his power not manifesting yet, even though he's six four two hundred?
1: I think it's maturity. I'm not calling him immature, I'm talking about high school players in general. And not immature Remember. in like the way you traditionally think about it, but just as far as approach and learning just to hit and not and not relying on the fact that especially during the normal high school season. like I'm the most talented kid on the field. I know it, and I want to hit a homer. Um, I think a lot of kids have to learn just swing the bat, just make good contact, just look for a quality strike, and the rest will take care of itself Um, versus trying to hit a homer. I think that's part of it. And then I think sometimes, depending on where they've played, it's just lack of sort of pitch recognition but more of just lack of quality competition you get so you get the showcase circuit and you go on and you play a bunch of really good competition for like three months four months then you go to your high school season and it's it is what it is it's a mixed bag you may go you know there's maybe a couple guys in your league that are really good or but you may go like a month without facing anyone like you know super elite um so i think yeah. sometimes it's hard to play to your best ability or to truly focus when you're facing someone who either a can't throw strikes and you know you're gonna walk uh because there's no one else in your lineup that poses a threat or you just you know you can get a hit off this pitcher whenever you feel like it um so you just swing really hard for first two strikes and then you single on the third pitch or whatever Um, So I think there's multiple things to factor in when you're talking about high school bats.
0: All right. Um, Back to Montgomery. One more question on him. He's a Virginia commit, um, but you'd think if he goes to the Cardinals in the first round or if he goes to anybody in the first round, high school players signing, right?
1: Yeah, it's very rare that first-round talents don't sign. I mean, I can think of a few, but there's usually – there's usually some big reason or something doesn't line up on the medicals or, I don't know, he really wants to go to college okay. and he told you, but the team was going to draft him anyway. Um, you've got, well, Kyler Murray, but that's obviously different. Benny Montgomery in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah more often than
0: not. That's it, worked out for Kyler Murray yeah, okay, too.
1: Yeah, more often than not, if you <laughs> grab someone in the first round, you're probably going to get them.
0: Okay. Uh, last guy I want to talk about at 18 is Jordan Wicks. Jordan Wicks is a left handed starting pitcher out of Kansas State University, uh, also near me, uh, a couple hours away. He is the top lefty in the college ranks, I believe. Uh, part of me just wants the Cardinals to draft him so that we can get him to the majors quickly and have a Jordan Wicks Jordan Hicks combo for a few years out of the pen. But um, joking aside, um, I'm going to jo- uh, list some information Prospects Live wrote up on him first this time. Um, it says, Jordan Wicks's changeup might be the best in the class. He pumps 89-92 to 92, touching 94. The changeup seems to hit a brick wall in front of the plate, tumbling heavy arm side. So that would be in towards a lefty and away from a righty. Um, he flashes a cutterish slider and curveball that have both shown good spin rates, though still developing consistent shape. There's a good bit of deception in Wicks' stuff. Most believe he's the best lefty in the class and he's just about as polished as they come. Uh, you guys at MLB Pipeline also add to that that you believe his delivery is one and I'm paraphrasing you all, but his delivery is one that is able to be repeated consistently with a little effort. Um, and before you give me your thoughts, can you kind of frame them around this question? Because reading everything I read about Jordan Wicks, I couldn't decide for myself. Do you see him as more of a command guy or more of a stuff guy? Can I, uh... And then add in your thoughts yeah. around that. Can I uh,
1: split the difference? <laughs> um, I would call him a stuff guy with command. Um, he has the. Okay. P-
0: which is why he could be a first well, round pick. I right? mean, he
1: has the best changeup in his class. And I think, and he's the best lefty, which when you're the best college lefty in the class, that gives you a lot of cachet because um, people want him. And it's. He's clearly the best college lefty. It's not him or someone else. Um, he, the thing is, he has the best changeup in this class. And I think where you get some of those reservations from people saying, you know, maybe he's more of a command guy than a stuff guy, or they're not sure if he pops or whatever. I think it's because his best pitch is a changeup. And that's not as sexy as a triple digit fastball or a slider with a lot of bite. Um, even, a, even a fun 12 to 6 curveball like Libertor or something like that. Um, I think mm-hmm. when someone's got a changeup, it's kind of like, oh, okay. So he's really good at the pitch that's, you know, the slow one. But but that doesn't mean that pitch can't be dominant. We saw what Devin Williams did last year. Uh, obviously, out of the pens, a little bit different. But still, it, it can still be a super effective pitch. Um, he's a guy that I like at 18. Um, as you said, the Wicks-Hicks combo, it's fun to say that Obviously has no impact on draft strategy, but it's still fun. So what the
0: heck? Uh, And then um, obviously he is graduating, I believe. And so if the Cardinals take him at 18, it's pretty sure he will sign there. Um, Was there anybody else you really wanted to mention at number 18 for the Cardinals specifically? Uh, I just I didn't want to command the entire thing here. We'll give you some choices here.
1: Well, um, MLB. I'm not sure when this is airing, but so last night slash Wednesday, MLB. Uh, we released our latest mock draft, and Jim Callis had Gunnar Hoglund, um mocked to the Cardinals. Uh, he's an interesting name because uh, we have him right now at number 23. He was getting top 10 buzz early in the college season. Um, look, He was rapidly climbing up draft boards and was dominating SEC play. Then he blew out his elbow in May and had Tommy John surgery. So that's the team that's going to take him. You know, while most people come back from Tommy John and they're fine. Um,
0: it's, still, no yeah, it's still
1: not great. Uh, so you'd have to see what the medicals are if you feel comfortable with that. Um, but he's someone who was getting top 10 buzz. So if you could get a top 10 guy at 18, um, that's great. Uh, assuming And he's a college guy. So once he does get back healthy, um, it's a little bit of a quicker path. Uh, he's someone with a low to mid-90s fastball, eighty slider, easy delivery, which which gives you confidence that when he comes back, he won't won't put a ton of more stress on the elbow, um, throws a lot of strikes. And he's a guy with a really high floor, um, no pick, no pick, or not no pick, but very few picks are safe, um, can't miss kind of type of guys. But he's someone that I think you would feel good about where you're not, you're projecting a little bit on the health, but you're not like crossing your fingers the first time he picks up a ball and being like, well, let's see what we got. Um, you'd have a pretty good idea, so I think I think that's someone that, while he would take a while, you know, he'd recover. Whichever team drafts him is probably going to play it slow, but he'd be an enticing add to the system.
0: All right, that sounds. I, I didn't look too too much into him because I didn't, you know, I didn't know who you were going to go with on this. But it sounds to me the way you're describing the injury and the high floor. A little bit like the Cardinals' pick of Zach Thompson a few years ago. Does that sound? I hadn't reasonable? thought
1: about it in those terms, but yeah, definitely that, that works.
0: Okay, cool. Um, anybody else at eighteen you want to talk about, or should we move to that kind of fifty four seventy let's, range?
1: Uh, trying to think. Yeah, let's move forward.
0: Okay. Um, there's a high school, there's a prep shortstop that I want to mention as a potential 54, 70 pick. So I know that we already talked about Carter Jensen, that catcher out of Park Hill right near me, uh, being a guy that could go in that 54 to 70 range could go to in the 90 to 120 range could maybe not even go, who knows. But, um, the shortstop is from Rochester, R- 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 Rochester Hills, Michigan out of Orchard Lake, St. Mary's Preparatory. Um, his name is Alex Mooney. I have read that Mooney is quite a polished defensive shortstop, good hands instincts as a high schooler. He'd likely stick it short in the pros. I've seen that he's a plus runner on the bases with above average speed. Um, a good approach of the plate with a little pop. I've heard nothing more about his hitting than that. Um, does that seem to be your guys's take on him?
1: Yeah. Um, Michigan hasn't had a high school shortstop taken in the top three rounds since, some guy in '92 named Derek Jeter, who I think he had a decent career. <laughs> Good old guy. Yeah, um, think I've heard of him. Uh, M- Mooney's someone who, depending on how his development goes and if he if he grows or whatever, he could play second or a third, or he could stick it short. So you get a little bit of versatility there. Um, he he lacks a plus tool, which I think is why he kind of falls under the radar a little bit. He doesn't have that one thing that makes scouts go, wow. But he also doesn't have that one thing that makes scouts go, ugh. Um, He's, you know, well-rounded, which is obviously good. Solid solid tools across the board. Can play all over the infield. Um, You you mentioned the mature approach at the plate. uh, Quick, compact swing. um, Probably...
0: Did I lose you, William? Can you hear me? Okay. I lost William for a second. He was in the middle of talking about Alex Mooney, uh, shortstop from the prep ranks. Um, While William is getting reconnected here, let's talk about Mooney was at number 65 on MLB.com's big board. Uh, He was all the way up at 35 on the prospects live board last I checked. So based on this, he could potentially be available, available to the Cardinals at 54 or 70. Um, He is a, guy who's committed to Duke, uh, William, I see, you look like yeah. you're back. Okay. You just went offline for a moment there. It said, um, so I was just kind of filling people in on where he's listed on the boards and all that. Um, he just committed to Duke. Um, did you want to keep talking about that approach a little bit, uh, just in case people missed the okay, end cool. of that? Yeah,
1: I wasn't sure where it cut off. Um, yeah. So he's someone with a, a solid approach, um, quick bat speed, compact swing. Uh, we have him listed as probably about 15 to 20 homers type of guy. Once he, once he fully develops, um, solid runner, just a, a good overall player. He's not, he's someone that doesn't, like I said earlier, that may or may not have registered. He's someone whose tools aren't going to jump off the board, but he does a little bit of everything and he does it well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so that's obviously a guy that the Cardinals could could c- covet quite handily at that 54 or seventy spot for sure. Um, looking slightly later in the draft, the next couple of oh no, yeah, the next couple of guys um, could be quite interesting. I feel like uh, this next guy is. Peyton Wilson, he's a catcher slash second baseman slash utility man out of Alabama. Um, I know that Wilson caught, uh, he played center field as a freshman, and now he's playing second base. And I've read that he's basically this toolsy toolsy guy with great speed, some pop, he's aggressive at the plate, he's versatile defensively, as we already covered with all the positions, um, and he's got a strong enough arm to potentially play the left side of the infield as well if his range can transfer. Um, both MLB and prospects live, have him around pick 70 that the Cardinals own. Um, can you talk a little bit more about him and then say what you would think if the Cardinals stretched to get him at 54 and what if about, what if he fell to 90 and kind of his, would he, would he sign there? I don't think he's, he's not a senior. And so he could go back to school and try to get drafted higher if that's the case. So, A little bit more about him, kind of where he would get picked and what he signed, depending on if it's 54, 70, or 90.
1: So he's someone kind of similar to Mooney in the sense that not a a crazy plus plus tool, but a lot of stuff. But he's, as you mentioned, the catcher second base infield combo is um, very rare. So the ability to play all over the field is obviously coveted um not only can he play all over the field but he's a switch hitter as well so you can platoon him if that ends up being the case against righties or lefties um fill him in wherever the lineup you need good instincts plus speed um he's not a slugger per se but he makes a lot of hard contact um there's just a lot of value in that overall profile of someone who plays all the positions, hits from both sides of the plate, and can do everything on the on the field except for pitch. Um, at 54, I wouldn't hate the pick. It's a little bit of a stretch, but it also depends on what uh, what the Cardinals do. This is what makes the baseball draft weird. It depends on what the team does with their money. If maybe you reached and you got someone earlier at 18 and you know you paid him more or whatever, then he could be the type of guy that you get at 54 to save a little bit um, and set up stuff later on. Or maybe if you get him at 90, um, that's a really good pick. As far as the signability is concerned, yes, he does have the option to go back to school. But... If he waits, he'd be twenty-two, entering next year's draft, which you lose a lot of leverage. So he could he could bet on himself next year and say, "I'm going to go out and absolutely ball out at Alabama again." Um, and both his brothers were athletes at Alabama, uh, so maybe there's just a huge affinity for the school. But going back to school and then re-entering the draft at twenty-two definitely does carry some risk. Um, so I would, I would probably think he would sign, but that is always, that is always a question. But if you're a second or third rounder, um, I don't know if I would want to come back at twenty two. Like like putting a lot of pressure on your final year.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. It doesn't usually happen that way. I, I get um, question about him real quick. I guess more of a pointed question is. Uh, Has he caught and played center field and played infield because of how versatile he is, or has his versatility come from need, like not sticking at catcher, not having the range for center?
1: Uh, Partially because of how versatile he is and partially because of um, roster construction with the rest of the team.
0: Okay. Okay, so it's not a huge worry that he didn't stick at those two positions. Correct,
1: yeah. I mean, I would look at it more as a and that, you know, he was there. They wanted to keep him in the lineup. They weren't like, eh, you're not our best catcher, so just, just sit down and be the backup catcher or anything like that. It was more of a, you can do this, you can also do that. We want you in the lineup some way, somehow, so let's figure out a way to do it.
0: Gotcha, okay, cool. Um, all right, so we've got two more guys I want to discuss, and and then I've got some random questions if we have time. But I definitely want to get to these two before you have to go. Um, shortstop Noah Miller is another prep shortstop. Um, he's out of a high school in Wisconsin that I am going to butcher the name, but Oze Ozeoki. I don't know exactly. Um, so sorry, Wisconsinites, if I'm um, making your eardrums burst. Um, but he's a guy I'm really interested in you talking about because there's a lot of guys that different prospect lists see differently on their big boards. And Noah Miller's one of those. You guys have him as a top 60 guy. Um Prospects Live has him at 151, which I find to be a fairly large discrepancy. Um why do you guys like him? Or maybe maybe tell me the good and the bad about him. You know, why could he be closer to that 54 or 70 pick for the Cardinals? And why could he be a guy that the Cardinals actually have pick 151? Why could they potentially get him there or somewhere in between? And then also he's an Alabama commit. We just talked about an Alabama boy and Peyton Wilson. Um, Noah Miller's also an Alabama commit. Where do you think he would have to go in that range to sign away from a big school like Alabama?
1: So first off, I'm glad that you attempted to say the high school name and not me. <laughs> so thanks for uh, taking that bullet. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So he's a Wisconsin high schooler. I'm going to go with that. He he's got a, he's got an advanced approach at the plate. Um, he's a switch hitter. His brother is in the. Indian actually his brother just made his major league debut on Sunday over the weekend. Oh, okay. maybe it was Saturday. I'm not sure, but his brother made his o- major league debut last weekend. So uh, exciting times for the Miller family for sure. Um, advanced approach switch hitter. Although he's a little more polished from the from the right side, um, his his power has increased in the past year, which is a good sign going forward and also totally makes sense for someone who's 18 years old. Um, Average speed, solid arm strength. I think where some of the disagreement comes in is he's got good instincts. He makes all the plays. He's not someone that, that wows you. Um, He's someone that's, like I said, average speed, average arm strength, solid approach. It's not anything that, is super enticing, but there's also not a lot of drawback. Um, I like that he makes good contact. The power you have to project on, but you're projecting on a lot of high schoolers. Um, the good instincts are good. Uh, he's got he's got a higher floor than most high schoolers, and I think when you're talking about high schoolers, most people get exciting get excited about ceilings um, because. Well, cause ceilings are fun. Uh, so when you say someone's got a really high floor, while that's really good for value and it makes teams feel good cause it's safe and you want to know like what you're getting on, on the minimum, it's not as, it's not as fun to dream on. And maybe that causes, you know, his name to slip on some lists or stuff like that. Um, so I think that's a little bit of kind of the pros and cons and I'm sorry, what else did you ask about him?
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. I was a little long winded there. Um, Alabama commit. Do you think um where, where do you think you might have to go to be taken away from that Alabama commit?
1: Oh, uh that as always with high schoolers is tough depending on the money. Um he's probably a third or fourth round guy. Um I think I think probably third round, and if you you know, third, third, or fourth round slot probably does it. Um, gotcha.
0: So if you got him at one fifty one, you'd probably have to save money above there somewhere to to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, or promise him something else. I don't know. Spring training invite. Okay. I don't know what it would have to be, but yeah, gotcha. there's probably a way to do it. But I think I think slot is probably the way to go.
0: All right. So while you were talking, I did look up. Um, so Owen Miller, uh, is his brother and an interesting Cardinals connection there. Owen Miller out of Wisconsin as well. Um, somewhere unpronounceable in Wisconsin, um, went to Illinois state and he was the shortstop there starting the year after the Cardinals took Paul DeYoung out of (laughs) Illinois state. So there's the Cardinal connection, uh, to all of this. Um, I knew there had to be one somewhere. Uh, The last guy I wanted to bring up today is a right-handed pitcher out of Auburn named Richard Fitz. Um, Both lists I've been looking at all day see Richard Fitz as an early to mid-100s ranked prospect. So somewhere 100 to 150, kind of unsure where in there. Um, He started his collegiate career at Auburn as a freshman and sophomore, became a starter this year. Uh, uh, sorry, started his collegiate career as a reliever, um, but became a starter this year. However, he had an injury that set him back as a starter a bit. Um, I've read he runs 93 to 95, can reach 100 with the fastball, has an upper 80s sinking changeup and mid 80s slider. Um, and then you guys note him as somebody who's very competitive and throws strikes. Um, that is... Almost literally all that I've heard about him so far. So, um, can you do a little deeper dive than that?
1: Well, for us? yeah. So, good timing to talk about Richard. He was the SEC pitcher of the week last week. He threw uh, eight scoreless and struck out seven. Um, granted, it's just one one start, so sample size, yada yada yada. But obviously, good start, and it's nice to see people thriving late in the year, heading into conference tournaments and into the draft. Um, before his injuries, he was thought of as a first-round talent, uh, so that's always something intriguing. Um, I know injuries are obviously part of the story, so it's not like mm-hmm. you can just erase it and say, well, first-round talent, um, yay, great. But it, it, the talent's still there. It doesn't necessarily vanish. Um, he can His change-up in the slider took a little bit, of a step back this year, but he can throw all his pitches for strikes. Um, so someone with command is always highly coveted and thought of, uh, he's got good frame that can handle the starters workload, you know, as he develops solid delivery, solid delivery. Um, he repeats it well. Um, so I think, I think he's someone that intrigues me. Um, we we'll have to see what happens with him and with other people in the SEC tournament, and you know see if anything changes there. Because while that is well, conference tournaments and college World Series and all that stuff are small sample sizes. They are times when scouts, scouting directors, GMs, and a lot of people are in attendance, so uh, they probably get a little more weight than a typical six game sample size Uh, a because the lights are on and the pressure is the toughest and then b because everyone's there in person because scouts know they can see a bunch of people in one weekend right Um, so it just makes sense travel wise uh so we'll see what happens at the end of the year but he's someone i think who intrigues me as someone who you could get later well you know, we're talking later being like third to fifth, not like late, late in the draft, right? But uh, without one of your super premium picks, but he's someone I think who could pitch and ultimately develop past, past where he was drafted. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, do you have a little time to stick around and talk some more guys here?
1: Let's. Um, I know I've got an interview with uh, someone coming up soon. Plus, I'm scared my internet's going to crap out again. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at your random stuff. Let's do the Rocker one and then uh, get out of here.
0: Okay, perfect. So um, Kumar Rocker is seen, uh, obviously, as a top 10 guy, probably a top five guy. Um, I thought originally coming into this year, he was kind of the consensus 1-1. And looking at the stats, I don't get to watch much college baseball, but just looking at Rocker through the statistics, it looks like um, he hasn't, Pitched his way off of one, one exactly. He's had a fantastic, amazing year. Why do you think he's fallen on some lists? I've basically seen him mostly anywhere between three and five lately. Um, what's going on with him at the moment?
1: I think, I think part of it is he was just so so famous um, for that nineteen strikeout and no hitter he threw a couple years ago uh, in the College World Series. Um, He's someone that was a consensus one-one in the public. He was never I shouldn't say never, but he wasn't a consensus one-one in kind of the scouting and the baseball community. Um not true. That was someone that even on like the pipeline podcast, uh, our guys, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, were trying to pump the brakes preseason and saying, like, hey, look, there is he's in the mix for one-one. Um and I think, I think part of the thing is because he was so famous. I mean, it feels like he's disappointed or like he's fallen and stuff like that. But we're, like you said, we're still talking about him in the three to five, three to six range. Right. I mean, oh geez, what a terrible fall. You might go first in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> I think just, I think just the hype and the public perception just got so, got so overblown with him. Um yeah. I mean that said, his fastball does get it does get flat at times. Um, his slider, when it is on, it's an eighty grade slider and it's nasty. Um, it's not always there. Um, mm-hmm. Change because the fastball and the slider are so dominant, especially when they're on. His changeup, we don't really know because he very rarely needs it because he can cruise through most college lineups. So there are some questions. There's nothing major, but. I think a lot of it comes down to just there was so much hype. It's not that he has done anything wrong. It's just that it was that and he got so much hype so early. So we had time yeah, to too
0: it. much too soon type thing.
1: Yeah. If you dominate your junior year, everyone, everyone talks about it. You dominate your freshman year and it's like, oh, well, now I've got two more years to pick you apart.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, I could sit here and talk all day, but I am a teacher and we are off for summer. Uh, you are not a teacher and you are not off for summer, sir. You are just really ramping up as my guess. So I don't want to keep you too long. I'm going to let William go. Uh, I would like to just extend my appreciation again. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, a nice little, little blog with, with uh, a, a n- modest following and uh, you totally didn't have to. And I just appreciate it so much. Um, so everybody, uh, everybody go follow William Bohr, W B O O R on Twitter because he always puts out nice, uh, interesting information. He is your MLB pipeline guy at, at MLB.com for at least this year, hopefully for the future as well. And, um, and he was nice enough to do this for us. So he deserves a follow just for that, uh, Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back next time with Matt Thompson of Prospects Live uh, talking more draft. So until then, have a wonderful few days.